Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 62, the disgruntled more than ever episode. And I don't really have anything smart to say. I know I, I know sometimes that I show you guys my notepad of stuff that I scribbled down before we record each session here, and I'll just show you guys what we have. I did it a few times last year. You guys suck. So... That could probably give you an idea how this weekend's game went. So before that, let me bring in Samuel Presti. Hello, Sam. How's it going, Danny? This is uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be it's fun. gonna be fun, yeah. fun, fun, fun. And before I forget, happy birthday, Sam. Thank you, Danny. I appreciate that. You're welcome. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, I also have uh, nothing really uh, inspiring in the intro to say, I guess, and. Besides uh, echoing uh, that happy birthday to, to Sam. Last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. It's a, it's a birthday pod. We, we, we're going to have fun. This is going to be fun. We're all having fun here. So, but yeah, that, that's my mood right now. Let's, let's have some fun. Well, I don't know how fun we can have talking about the game we just witnessed about, oh, 28, 30 hours ago, depending on when we watched it. But I, I first want to read something from the, the Opta people who posted this on their, basically their Serie centric feed. And it has to do with Juventus's result. Obviously a one, nothing loss to Empoli where a whole lot of things went wrong. And 
this kind of gives you an idea of how the year 2021 has been for Juventus. Juventus lost their 10th Serie A home game since the Allianz Stadium opened in 2011-2012. 30% of those losses have come in 2021. On top of that, Juventus have failed to win each of their first two Serie A matches of the season, only for the third time, let me repeat, third time in the last 52 top flight campaigns after only 2010-11, which as Chuck knows is one of the dark ages, and in 2015-16, which fortunately went a whole lot better than the dark ages. So I will first, speaking of Chuck's, throw it to our, our loyal Dutchman, since he is the man who, for so many podcasts last year, hammered home the identity card. And man, does this team right now look like it has absolutely no identity, doesn't it, Chucks? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, almost clutching at straws at that point. Like, okay, you know, <laughs> let's, 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 like, you know, we're building an identity. At this point, I, I, I don't really have any kind of rationalization for what's going on you know like i said last year i sort of did now i i just don't know at this point yeah i i mean i'm not saying anything new when i say that it was just a very 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 bad performance besides the first what 15 20 minutes or so yeah it was very uninspiring and i think and i'm guessing you guys are going to touch on this too but and i'm sure you'll agree you know the most most concerning thing was just that there was just tactically it was a very confused performance didn't know what formation we were playing uh, at one point quadrado was on the right and then he was on the left and he was right forward ish and then he was right back and then you know uh McKenney was sort of on the wing i guess in the wing forward position sort of as a midfielder uh you know obviously dipala was centrally but then he dropped so deep he was at point one point almost in kind of central midfield it was, it, at one point it was almost on top of Bentancur sort of yeah nobody knew what the hell was going on I mean nobody I, yeah I can tell you what formation it was it, and that's really strange because the personnel in terms of personnel it had a formation just be a straight 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 or 3-4-3 it really could, and that, maybe that's almost kind of the, the paradox there that the personnel on the pitch it could have been one of, or all of three or four formations, which is both good because, okay, you have tactical, tactical flexibility, you have unpredictability, but it's bad when, you know, you kind of, nobody really knows what's going on. And I remember seeing in, in the, like 20 minutes before when they, you know, put out the lineups and I saw the, saw the predicted line, lineup on, the, the predicted formation, pardon me, on livescore.com. And it said like 4-3-3 with McKenney as a right wing forward. I'm like, man, they're tripping. They probably got like, the app's probably lagging or something. You know, I was like, ah, I'll just wait, you know? And yeah, I mean, indeed, they were as confused as everybody else because yeah, nobody really knew what was going on. So no, I, it's, you know, again, I yeah, really have no explanation for what happened. And, you know, again, with the problem of just being so, such a tactically confusing game, it's, I could sort of forgive it when it was first time ever being a manager, uh, just fresh out of managing school, if you will. Allegri's been around the block, man. I mean, he's he is experienced. This shouldn't happen to an experienced manager. Allegri shouldn't have like a tactically confused match for Allegri. I mean, 
okay, he's done it before, but come on, you know, that, that, that was the thing that really, really concerned me. Cause I know some people are saying in the comments, like, you know, you might as well just keep Pirlo then, <laughs> you know, if you're going to do that. So uh, yeah, that was the most concerning thing for me. Like that of all people, Allegri just was tactically, tactically completely confused. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest because that's, that's kind of Allegri's MO. He doesn't have really a tactical identity. He just, he, he's all over the place. You know, there, you know, his first fight in his first stint at Juventus, the, for the, he was, he was there for five seasons in four of them. He ended up using a, he ended up finishing the season using a completely different formation than when he started it. And I'm going to be honest. Yes, I know it's only, we're only two games in. I know that there's been a lot of upheaval, which we'll get to later, but this has me really worried because I don't know if Allegri has an idea, an identity in mind. And it's not even, you know, a question of, does he not know what to make of this roster right now, which the roster is still not particular is not still not constructed particularly well. I, I, that, you know, that's certainly not his fault, but you, you remember there was that, he, he had that huge argument on a post-match interview last year or, or in his last year with Juve talking about how, you know, tactics shouldn't matter as much as, you know, just having, you know, letting the good players express themselves. And, and, and that's one of the things that has always bugged me about him is that he doesn't see there's a part of me that don't that doesn't think he sees the need to have any kind of central identity for this team. And you can't have that. I mean, you this team that team went out looking like a bunch of guys that were going out to the park to just kick the ball around. No one had any idea what the heck they were doing. I don't know, it didn't look like anybody knew what was expected of them. And I don't know if I don't necessarily think that's going to be an isolated thing because, you know, that, that, that's what Allegri does. He just kind of, he just kind of blows in the wind and doesn't really have, he doesn't, he doesn't, his, his, he doesn't work that way. He doesn't say these are my tactics. And then maybe I can flex from those tactics to adjust to a certain opponent in one way or another, he just, he, he just decides what's best that what he thinks is best that day. And maybe it doesn't actually, and, and you know, it, it's just, no one knows, no one knows what's going on. This was the exact, this was the exact same way this team looked three years ago when Allegri was coaching it and they were drawing nil nil against Spal late in the season. And, and to say nothing of the fact that he just grabbed a bunch of square pegs and tried to jam them into every single round hole that he could find because, you know, Danilo is regista. No. McKenney is trequartista winger or whatever the heck he was. No. Federico Bernardeschi. He should know by now that Federico Bernardeschi get, doesn't play and doesn't work well in midfield. He's tried this. He tried it when Benedeschi was a lot younger and a lot more confident in himself than he is now. 
that was like Bernadeschi looked Bernadeschi looked completely devoid of any instinct or or idea of what he was doing because he's not because he, he doesn't play there. And it's just I I am seriously worried that this is going to be the kind of football that we see all year that Allegri is just going is is just going to say, "All right guys, you are very good footballers. Now go." And there's not going to be a plan because you have to have, you have to have some kind of central plan. I mean, look in Rome right now. Maurizio Sarri has just absolutely blitzed two teams, his first two opponents this year. And you can say that they weren't very good. Neither were the two teams that we've dropped, that we've dropped points against in our first two weeks. And I, you know, there's, that's why I don't like that kind of coach that, uh, you know, I like the kind of coach like Sadi who has his plan and, you know, is Sadi a little too rigid around it? Yes. But you have to have some sort of central identity in order to really, in order for the players to be able to work and play as a team as, you know, as they are not doing right now, as Chiellini was was caught lip by some lip readers on the touchline when he was having that deep talk with Allegri at the end of the game in the technical area. These guys are not playing as a team. And coming out of the we come out of the international break playing Napoli and Milan. We could be looking at at one point out of four games to start the season if this doesn't improve really, really fast. This could go downhill so quickly. And I am in, I'm, I'm wouldn't say I'm panicking yet, but I'm like one step above it. Cause if what we saw yesterday is going to keep on going, this is going to be a really, really, really bad situation. Yeah. I, I was watching the, the game uh, yesterday. So we're recording Sunday night. So I was watching it yesterday and the ESPN Deportes announcers Vito de Palman and Jorge Barril, which are, are pretty good announcers, actually. I, I really enjoy their work compared to Jorge Pietrasanta, who I despise and is a horrible announcer. That comment was for like three people, tops, but still. And and every time, every move that Allegri made, they just tried to make sense of it and failed to do so with every single move, like from the first lineup to the subs, every single one was like, well, I guess he's trying to do this or, or maybe not. And then by the end, they had kind of given up. By the time Matia De Siglio comes in or Juan Cuadrado, they just start laughing. They just straight up start laughing. It's like, okay, like, sure, why not? Like, it, it was so hard to, to understand what he was trying to do in a way. And 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 like Sam said, the, the real, the thing that really worried me and I'm not you know to the I still think that this is you know they're still figuring it out it's two games in I'm not really pushing the panic button but the the thing that really you know kind of bothered me was exactly what Sam was saying about especially about Federico Bernardeschi for example about a dude that you've you've had before about a dude that you've managed before and that you kind of know that that's not the place where he plays the best and and he keeps trying to shoehorn him there, and I just don't see what he sees in there. It 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 bothered me that he decided to play Paulo Dybala without a, a you know strike partner. That we know that he has been pretty much his main coach for the guys 
I mean, the best years of his career. We know that he plays best with another target man up front. Like we know this and, and he played really well that way last game, just last game. We saw that. And, and then he, he tries this again, like him being like a false nine hybrid sort of role. I, you know, I think that was just, that I don't get it. I just don't get it because like, like Chuck's mentioned, like Sam mentioned, at this point, you have to know better with those two guys. When it comes to Danilo, when it comes to Weston McKinney, I don't think they were right moves. I don't think they were correct moves, but, you know, he had never managed those guys. He wanted to try something out, you know, whatever. I, I don't hate it all that much. And, and Danny mentioned at the beginning, um, if you want to look at, you know, try to try to be positive about what we saw, Danny mentioned, right, like the other time that Juventus failed to win the first two games of the season, it was that 15-16 season that they famously started very badly and then kind of like picked up their form and ended up, you know, winning Serie A. I think this is a very similar situation for Allegri in, in the sense that it's a team that there's a lot of guys that he's never really coached before. It's a team that's kind of in disarray in a way. It's, you know, it's definitely not coming off a season like the one they had in 15-16, which was the, the, the Berlin final season. But it is a season in which the, everything is very much up in the air. And and like Sam said, in a way, you know, sure, he doesn't have a, a system. He doesn't have a set formation. But that's something that we have seen him do in a positive way. You know, the way he adapts to the team, the way he adapts to the players, that flexibility. And I do think he is going to figure out the best way to field these guys. I don't think we're going to see Weston McKinney playing in that, you know, offensive hybrid weird role that we don't really understand what he was trying to do. I don't think we'll see that again. I don't think we'll see a lot of Danilo, you know, playing in front of the defense. I think he was just kind of like figuring things out. Did it work out? Of course not. But I do think, I do have confidence in him figuring it out just because this is such a new squad just because this is a squad that could go in so many different ways. And sure, he has managed a lot of these guys before, but he's also, you know, dealing with a lot of guys that he's never, you know, really had in his team. So I do feel a little bit more optimistic in the sense of, of I, I do think he will be able to figure it out. Is there anything to, to get out of the last game? No, I think it was a very bad game. I think it was poorly played, poorly coached, uh, you know, just, just poorly planned from the get-go. But I do believe that it is very early in the season. I do think he will figure it out. And despite my known hatred for international breaks, I think for the first time, this is a good international break. I think it's a good moment to kind of like figure some stuff out. And I expect this team to, to come out looking a lot better than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, and it's, it's weird, Sergio, because you, know, you mentioned that I like you still trying to figure out stuff, but it's... It's funny because I remember last season we we kind of gave Pirlo. I mean, we gave Pirlo the benefit of that on a lot of things, of course, and rightly so. But one of the things we said was like that in the beginning it was tinkering so much because he didn't have a preseason basically, and you know, yeah, he didn't have that time to like figure things out during preseason. But I think he did. You know, I like he had a preseason. Okay, players were you know coming back late from international, from Euros, from Copa America, and all that stuff, but. Still, I mean, you know, he had a preseason, so I'm like, come on, Allegri, like, you've had the time to figure this out. And the only injuries so far are, uh, well, Ramsey uh, and what's his name, uh, Artur as well. So, 
yeah, I don't know. It's it's just hard to. Yeah, I'm just uh, disappointed, you know, like, and obviously, I mean, okay, two games, but yeah, I'm like, come on, man, you like these aren't the types of mistakes I, I don't know that I would think you would be making this early in the season. I don't know. Uh, Another thing that sir, you said. Sergio, you talked about the 2015-16 season. I've seen so many people referencing the 2015-16 season in the last 24 hours or so as we've tried to, you know, see something positive out of this game. The thing is that the 2015-16 team was orders of magnitude better than this. It was put together better. It had better players, I thought. And also, Serie A was not as good as it is now, the rest of the league. And like you said, Chucks, I also, th- I, I agree with you totally. Like, he's had, like, he had Weston McKenney through an entire preseason of training. How does he not know that he is a, bo- that he should be deployed as a box-to-box midfielder at that point? How does he not? understand that he you know he had Paulo Dybala for five years and a full preseason and you know and and you end up with with the way that that Dybala was deployed yesterday Bernardeschi you know he watched Bernardeschi playing on the right wing in that second leg against Atletico Madrid three years ago have one of the best performances that a Juventus player has had in the Champions League this century And he insists on putting him in every position other than the one that he is good at. Like this isn't rocket science, put the players where they belong and they will be, and they will play well. And he just, he makes everything that much more complicated and it makes it harder to, it makes it harder to win. Yeah. I, I, I do agree on, on, on one point. And that is that I do think Serie A is a lot better right now than it was in that season. Uh, so definitely the, the, you know, right now to be looking at a, at a five point hole already uh, to the leaders, not great, especially because, you know, teams have been looking pretty well, like Milan looked pretty well, Inter looked pretty well. So, you know, it's not great to already be five points down. I do think you have a lot less room to maneuver. I do agree with that. I don't know if that team, the 15, 16 team was better than this team. We're talking about a team that relied heavily on minutes from Stefano Sturaro, Mario Lemina, and Hernanes. Hernanes was getting Champions League minutes for that team. So, you know, I, I'm not sure if it, had, if it was like a much better team per se, but... It, was, it also had Paul Pogba, Mario Mandzukic, and Andrea Barzali, and a full BBC, and Buffon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean like, I'm not, I, I don't know if it was better or not, but I mean, I think they're comparable teams, I would say. But I, I was more meaning, I was more talking about the sense that there are a lot of moving parts. There's nothing set in stone. Like, for example, if you take the, the Berlin team, for example, the first team that, that Max Alec took, that was a pretty set team. There was not a lot of need of, of tinkering. Like, that was a pretty, yeah, pretty set team. You didn't really have to, you know, invent anything. And, and I think the 15-16 did have a lot of moving parts, did involve a lot of figuring things out. And, and I do think, and, and Sam, this is something that you've brought up before, this is not a very logically built team. It, it's not a very well-balanced team. So I, I do think that in that sense, Allegri does have to figure some things out. Like this is not a pre-made team. He's going to have to figure out some things. He's going to have to figure out who 
freaking plays in front of the defense, which has been the theme like four years running, and apparently no one can do it. Uh, you know, we were going to have to figure out who plays in that spot that connects the attack and the midfield. We still don't have a guy that can do it. Like Locatelli came in, the team looked pretty better, but uh, still not not quite there. So I do think there's going to be, and, and the you know my, my comparison was more in the sense that there's going to have to be a lot of figuring things out. I do agree that some moves are pretty indefensible, but I do think that there's just going to have to figure things out and throw things at the wall, see what works. Now, if we're talk, sitting here in three weeks' time and Weston McKinney's still playing in that in that place and Danilo's still in the front of the defense, okay, then we have a conversation. Then we have to figure out why is he still doing that. But as a, an attempt, I, I don't hate it. I do think you do have to give him time to figure things out just because of how the team is built. It's not a like a pre-made team. It's a lot of tinkering, a lot of guys that are going to have to figure out where to play. So so I do that that's why I'm I'm thinking about giving him more a little bit more leeway. I know we all remember because we were all part of the blog at this point. One of Max Allegri's and arguably one of his best moves as manager was to go with the 4-2-3-1 formation that obviously propelled Juventus to very good things, and a Champions League final. Now, is it just me, or does this team scream out for a 4-2-3-1 formation? There are wingers. There's a obviously a need for midfield reinforcements probably, but Manuel Locatelli playing in one of the holding midfield roles looks pretty good to me. And as we know, Moise Keane is coming back very shortly, and along with Alvaro Morata, can provide a target kind of player. Now, what do you guys think about a 4-2-3-1 formation? It's certainly a lot more feasible now than it was before Cristiano Ronaldo left the team because you have that, you now have that potential defensive cover and work rate from somebody on the left wing as opposed to Ronaldo, who is not going to be providing you that. And it might be the best way to do it. You know, Locatelli has very much proven that he can play that double pivot. He did it in Sassuolo for years under, uh, under, why am I blanking out on Deserbi. his name? Deserbi, thank you. He did that for years under Deserbi. The question then becomes, how do you split up the playing time amongst the wingers and where do you put them? Because really all of your best, all of your wingers are best on the right side. <laughs> you know, Chiesa kind of adapted to the left side last year as the, that kind of wing back under Pirlo. Kulusevsky could probably, can probably do it. I wouldn't want to put one on the left. I, if you're going to have one in the lineup, you should probably be on the right side, but I mean, yeah, it, it does work. Dybala has also, and, you know, Dybala had a great year out of that system uh, as well. I just, I wonder if he's going to, I wonder whether he's going to want to do it because, you know, he had that, you know, obviously we went through that entire, that entire second half of that season, go to the final. We come back the next year, he, and he, he's using it and Juve started leaking goals and he immediately switched out of it put an extra midfielder in, into a 4-3-3 in order to put more defensive solidity in. So I, I don't 
know what his how his thought process will end up going when it comes to that. But I mean, yeah, it certainly needs to be tried. We'll have to see how it works. Yeah, I agree in the sense that that Locatelli is definitely the the key that opens up that opportunity because we we saw that double pivot yes uh, last year with uh, pretty much every other midfielder in this team and it was not pretty. So Logatelli has shown the ability to to hold his own in that double pivot spot. I do think it opens up that opportunity. I think it opens up the opportunity for a straight 4-4-2 as well with, you know, either Morata or Keane, you know, pairing up Dybala up top. You do have to, you know, I don't know if sacrifice is the right word, but you do have to give the left flank to Chiesa, who has been the guy who's shown himself more adept as playing there and the right side with with Cuadrado and, you know, Locatelli and whoever is playing better at the time, I guess, in the other midfield spot. I do think that that's one of those options that, that a guy like Manuel Locatelli opens up to you. You don't have to, you don't have to get married to having a guy in front of the defense and, you know, like a classic defensive midfielder, like it, it opens up a lot more options. And, and like I said, I do think that is, going to have to be something that that Allegra figures out on the go at some point. Like Danny, you know, the, the way this question started, that five-star system, as he called it, that started, like he came up with that like pretty late in the season, I think, like I think the second half. And, and that's kind of like when the team really kind of gelled. So, you know, he's never been a guy that comes out of the, of the woods, like, you know, great and just wins all the time. So, Maybe maybe he figures out some setup like that that just puts the guys that he has in, in the best position to succeed. I I wouldn't hate that for sure. You mentioned how he he moved on late in the season. It and as we were talking, it made me think about how when he first took over for Antonio Conte, and to bring it full circle with the identity talk, we remember how he basically stuck with Conte's three five two and then kind of evolved things into his own type of system. Whereas now it up at the Olympiacos game must win champions league game. And he, yeah, exactly. And then it's totally different in this case where Pirlo's system, albeit, you know, it, it showed flashes. There's not really for this team. It just, it doesn't really make sense. So I, I think as Sergio mentioned, the four, four, two makes sense because you've got wingers and, you know, albeit, there's no really natural left winger, but you know, a four, two, three, one, or a four, four, two, it just seems to me to make the most sense for the way this team is right now, because there's, it's just the midfield. It it's again, the midfield outside of Locatelli, it's kind of like, okay, who really should play? And I have a feeling that's why a lot of these rumors are saying that Allegri still wants a midfielder because there's not, there's nobody outside of that group not named Manuel Locatelli, who's like, okay, I need to play, and I need to play more often than not. Yeah, and that's and that's a good point with the uh, Conte uh, comment because when he, when Allegri first joined, he had basically a very successful template, I guess, or framework to build off of, which was Conte's three five two, and that was working, and that had worked, and so he thought, okay, you know, let's just keep that in place. Everybody knows how that works. He was also, sorry, Chuck, I don't want to interrupt you, but he had also come in, what, three days into, into preseason training. And that was that coaching that, cause that, that coaching change had been very traumatic. And I think it was a very pragmatic thing that uh, of Allegri to do, to just say, no, we're keeping it this way for the time being until, you know, we, 
you know, you know, until the trauma wears off. Yeah, no, no tearful YouTube videos this time around. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, no, and and yeah, that's indeed the thing. He had he had something to build off of, but now joining after Pirlo, he, he doesn't really have a framework that worked for a long period of time during Pirlo. Because I mean, you know, he he switched things up and it sort of worked and really worked, and so you know, he's kind of yeah, he hasn't had that framework of this is what the players are used to this is what has worked well and let's just kind of build off that so i guess i mean i guess that's you know one crucial difference from the first time he joined but yeah then back to your first question about the formation (laughs) it's funny my first answer to it was why the hell not i mean at this point anything is better than what's going on right now (laughs) but uh my more serious uh professional answer uh is that i mean it sort of solves some problems but it creates a bunch of other problems like going to a four Two three one or slash four four two. The problems it kind of creates is we get back to you know what are we going to do with Bentakur uh, issue because you know I I assume what's going to happen if we go to a four four two slash four two three one is that he's not going to resist the temptation to play Benta the 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 cursed pivot of Bentakur and Rabio next to each other, which is you know obviously the most redundant partnership in our midfield possible so yeah he's, he's probably going to do that and then you run into yeah the same problem we had last season obviously with those two and yeah i mean connected to that you run into the problem again of it just depends on not being being played in his best position and i mean this is the season i hope we would for once play him in his uh best position again and then also with mckinney i don't know would mckinney yeah be good in a central midfield to or what you could then do is play yeah actually yeah we were talking about the left wing issue and i think beerlo did that once or yeah a few times playing mckenny on the left of yeah yeah no of course yeah he did that yeah he played him on the left of midfield and then you had the central midfield too so it was a pseudo four four two four three three if the right winger pushed all the way up um possibly could work. I mean, it, it did sort of work for a while and that could be a solution there too. But again, it's just kind of the Bentancur slash McKenny issue, more the Bentancur issue. And then connected to that, you just, yeah, you create kind of a conundrum of where do you put McKenny that it works. But I, I mean, I think the the solution of like that formation, the, the problem that it does solve is the fact that we don't really have the regista and uh, that's just kind of been a perennial issue. And I think in such a formation, you, you, the, the need for a regista, I think would be less. I mean, you have the creative burden on like the, on Dybala basically, and on the creativity of the wingers. So I think that sort of solves that problem. But yeah, solves semi solves one problem, but then creates another two. So I don't know. But like I said, at this point, anything is better than what's going on now. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, as we know, as Juventus tries to solve their problems, one player who won't be around anymore is one Cristiano Ronaldo. And that is because as we led into the Empoli game that developed into something not even close to being pleasant, was rumors galore about where he was going. And then obviously we got the answer of where he was actually going to end up. And that was at Manchester United. Now, that is interesting because the day before, all signs pointed to Manchester City. And before that, it was PSG. And I can go on and on and on about the rumors, but the fact is that Cristiano Ronaldo is no longer a Juventus player. And say what you want about the tactical conundrum that he provided, Juventus obviously now have what a lot of people perceive as a sudden dearth of goals that need to be replaced and all that. So as we look at the Ronaldo era, the three-year up and down Ronaldo era, what are your thoughts on Cristiano Ronaldo now in the past tense Juventus player? Bye, Felicia. <laughs> yeah, um, let, me, let, me just, let me just add that this move was very much Ronaldo wanting out and Juventus going, here's the door. Yeah. And also, and also this move, I think was very much Ronaldo and George Mendes very coolly calculating how this was going to go. I do not think for a second that Cristiano Ronaldo was vacillating throughout the entire year and then decided to go this week. He knew he was leaving from the minute last season ended and he and, and he and Mendes took this down right to the wire and then handed in the transfer request to give you, to make Juventus to, to basically to force Juventus into accepting whatever deal they could possibly get with zero leverage. Like it was a mass, it, it was frankly masterful in the way it was manip, in the way they manipulated things. And I Juventus, you know, the front office got caught flat footed on that. They probably shouldn't have even then they had, they probably swung, one of the best deals they could under the circumstances. It's not something that I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to criticize that too much, but I mean, the, the Ronaldo era was at the end of the day, a failure. I don't think we can say anything else other than that. The team has severely regressed. The results were bad. The, you know, the economic, impact of him was nowhere close to what the team thought that 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 it would be whether or not covid you know what how much of a role covid would play in that it remains to be seen you have ronaldo fans saying to juventus fans peace i'm going to go back this way now to watch to watch him over here which is exactly how i i always thought it was going to go and talk about a bad talk about having a bad couple of months for Andrea Agnelli, who basically had the two biggest gambles he's ever taken as a football executive 
explode in his face in the space of like three months between the super league and this because we've we've been talking we we talked to we mentioned in the slack in our slack channel about how there has not been a peep about this from the club there has been no official press release from juventus confirming the transfer although that might be like you said danny because of the italian stock market that wasn't in session there has been no thank you cristiano video on twitter there has been absolutely nothing and i kind of I wouldn't be surprised if that's because Agnelli is absolutely furious right now over, over how this all has ended. But yeah, this is a failure. He came in here as a conquering hero three years ago with a lot of, with people thinking, with some people thinking that he was the, the last piece to the Champions League. And he left, you know, with a forest fire behind him. And, you know, say what you want about what he did on the field which, you know, obviously he scored 101 goals in, in, in less than three, you know, in three years on the field, he was very good. Everything else about his time at Juventus was detrimental to the club from my point of view. And we're now in a, a rebuild that could take years. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not going to look back on this, on those three years particularly fondly and you know i I don't know what a lot of other people how a lot of other people will but it's also you know i don't want to say i told you so i wrote an article basically say you know danny you remember the my devil's advocate article as as the transfer was coming and i kind of called this i feel like i kind of called this it's exactly how i kind of thought it was going to end up going and here it is. Yeah, it all uh, ends with a with a whimper, <laughs> with a bit of a whimper. Yeah, it's just a shame the way it all ended. Yeah, it 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 reminds me of something uh, I'd read in uh, psychology from I think it was from Daniel Kahneman. He called it the peak end rule, which is basically we only remember the peaks and the end of an experience. Well, <laughs> yeah, what is the peak and what is the end of the Ronaldo uh, era? Well, peak was probably the uh, Atletico uh, game that you know, that comeback. And then the end is this whole shenanigans. I mean, you know, this leaving it to, you know, the last eight days or eight, nine days at the transfer window and just this entire fiasco. I mean, it's made everyone look kind of silly, really. Um, I mean, like Sergio mentioned in the grab bag, I mean, um, uh, Nedved had to come out publicly, like before really the transfer started and kind of around the a little bit before the Empoli game and a little bit before and after the Empoli game, uh, you know, Netflix coming out publicly and saying like, no, he's staying. And um, Allegri saying, I mean, I think a week and a bit ago, Ronaldo has told me he's staying and everybody's just coming out publicly. I mean, they look like, pardon my language, but they look like ass now <laughs> for having said this in public. And then a week later being like, oh yeah, well, he's gone now. So sorry. So I imagine that that really, yeah, probably annoyed them a, 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 quite a bit. And you mentioned Sam, like with Agnelli being annoyed. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I, w- I would be quite annoyed. I mean, your senior executives have just come out publicly and just said something that has been completely um, turned around just a few days later, not obviously by any fault of their own. But um, yeah, I mean, you just, it's a very public, it, it just looks bad in terms of saving face. It just looks poorly in public. And, you know, once you're at that level of business, just having 
face PR is, I mean, is everything. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I would be very annoyed in that sense. Obviously as a fan, I'm just annoyed by, he could have, like you said, he didn't decide yesterday that he wanted to join United. He knew this. I mean, come on. Someone of his age, his experience, uh, he's been in this game for, as as the great notorious B.I.G. would say, uh, he's been in this game for years. So um, it's made him an animal, clearly. He knows how this goes. And he didn't just decide yesterday that he wanted to leave. He knew this uh, ages ago. And clearly we were willing to just let him go so i don't really understand like what the need was for just this kind of frankly unprofessional way to depart um as far as i know who knows maybe this is not the case but as far as i know there was no personal issues between ronaldo and agnelli no personal issues between him and the club possibly some tactical disagreements with allegri but i mean they both look like just civilized human beings that wouldn't make it turn it into a drama they'll just say like hey i disagree and you know so i don't think there was anything like as far as i know there's just no malice between ronaldo and and anyone involved with the club uh, before his transfer so i just don't understand like why 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 leave it like this you know why why do it this way if there's no personal issues going on so yeah i mean i just don't know yeah why he left i guess you can I speculate you can boil it down to one of three issues. So one of them might be, okay, just kind of sporting results. So maybe he's realized like it's kind of the end of the line for Juve. You know, he's won the CAI, he's won Coppa Italia and all that. Champions League's just not going to be it. But hey, I could have told you that years ago, mate, <laughs> that we weren't going to win the Champions League anytime soon. So maybe he just sees, okay, Champions League's not going to be it. And I've won basically everything else with the club. So, I mean, yeah, nothing else there. So I don't know. Does he want to win one more Champions League or something? I don't know. Um, sure as hell not winning one with Manchester United. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no. Although their team is pretty good. But yeah, no, I mean, I don't think they'll win one either, of course. So yeah, then there's that. Uh, again, there are personal issues that I just mentioned. I, I don't think so. There's no indication that any personal issues were ongoing. Is it ambition of some sort? Ambition to prove himself again? somewhere else i obviously don't know only he knows that himself but yeah maybe it is ambition it, it's really it, it's the only thing that's in line with his character because he's just this relentless hunger for more more and more and i think it's what's made him amazing but it's i don't know is it sometimes too much and it's kind of a philosophical question you know of like when is this this hunger for more and this hunger for more ambition, more achievements, more results. Why is it too much? And also in your personal life, you know, you could, I mean, you could argue that it as well in your personal life. Who knows? I mean, again, it's, it's what's created Ronaldo the man, but maybe, yeah, maybe that's too much. And just to kind of close it off, it does remind me of a, a quote from a video game. I didn't play this one, but I'd come across it some time ago from uh, the game Dishonored. Emily Caldwin is the character that says it. And she says, it's a funny thing, ambition. It can take one to sublime heights or harrowing depths. And sometimes they are one and the same. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe Ronaldo's ambition took him to uh, harrowing heights or, uh, sorry, sublime heights or harrowing depths. Who knows? Quoting Biggie and video games within a couple of minutes of each other, man. You're... Man. You're just all man. you're just all over the place today. Uh, man, yeah, I gotta keep you guessing. Sixty-two episodes. I mean, I gotta I gotta mix it up. I gotta mix it up a little bit. You know, sixty-two episodes later. 
firing on all cylinders. Chuck's there, man. Tough to follow that up. That, that's always hard. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's you know, I guess like Sam said, on the field, that that dude, you know, there's a reason why he's considered one of the greatest players of all time. I, you know, when he was announced as as a Juventus player three years ago, I wrote a, a, a piece for the site about how I hated the guy, like just sports wise, I hated the guy. I, he was a Real Madrid player. I despise Real Madrid. I've, I've never hated that. Like, I hate that club. And, and, you know, he was, you know, he inflicted me a too, lot of by the pain way. Me too. to me personally. I thought he was, you know, he, he was arrogant. He was all of that, that stuff. And, and how now, you know, I had to root for him because he was at my club. And, and I truly, did get it why he has achieved all the success that he's had why he has the 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 fan base that he has that's so passionate you know he truly is a transcendent player like he is like when you know obviously the biggest example was that atletico madrid second leg but but we saw that in in many you know different ways like even in games that juventus ended up losing like the the second leg of against Leon, right? Like the, the last game of, of the Sarriera where he seemed like he was going to do it again. Like he was going to take the team again and single-handedly put them through in the Champions League. He won so many games for Juventus that way where, you know, he would just take the team and, and, and by sh- what seemed like sheer, you know, strength of will would force the team to win. And even when you shot him down, like the entire game, Uh, then, you know, you could shut the guy down for 89 minutes and he would do nothing. And then he would have one spark and boom, that's the goal game, like win for Juventus. That's it. And, and, you know, to, to have seen that day in, day out, you know, really hard worker on the pitch, almost never missed any time. Just, just really, you, you understood why he's such a, a respected player, why he's such, you know, why he has the, the you know, reputation that he has, because he really was a, a transcendent player. And on, on that end, I will always be, you know, glad that I get to see him on my team because I finally got to feel uh, the way my, my brother, who is a Real Madrid fan, felt all those years where it was just like, he's going to figure it out. Like, even if we play crappy, he's going to figure it out. Like, he's going to score a goal in the end and win. And, and he did that a lot for Juventus. So, on that end, I think he is, you know, stand his era, whatever you want to call it. I do think I will look back on it fondly. With that being said, I do think that, you know, like, like Sam said, economically speaking, the, the gambit was dead in the water the moment coronavirus was something that, you know, we became uh, familiar with. That, that moment, like the, the gambit financially was dead right then and there. Uh, sporting wise, Winning the Champions League was always going to be tough. I don't think you can fault him personally for it. I think the team just was not up to snuff. But it's also worth pointing out, you know, his wages, his, you know, tactical inflexibility. Like, it was not entirely up to the team, as many of his fans will will point out. That was just a team issue. Like, Ronaldo did nothing wrong. Like, you know, his wages did hinder the team. Like, the fact that he was, you know, tactically inflexible did hinder the team. So, it's just, it's just one of those things that, you know, sporting wise, I think it's going to be, you know, sort of 50, 50 glass half empty sort of legacy. The, the thing that really to me, and then I, I, you know, mentioned it in, in the grab bag really kind of muddies the water and really puts a sour tint on, on, on his whole era was the way he, he left. Like Sam said, he had to know from the get go that, that he was leaving, 
you know, if he had come out right right then and, and just go to the board and say, I don't want to be here. Let, let's figure something out early in the window. Perhaps you knowing that he's not going to play anymore, you can get Manuel Locatelli way earlier into the fold. Uh, you can get if, if Moise Keane was the type of guy you were trying to get. You can get him into a fold way earlier. You, you just know that you're not going to have him in, into a season. And, and it would have been fine. I guarantee you that we would have had already a cheesy thank you Cristiano Ronaldo video. Like already. Because th- there would have been no hard feelings. I guarantee you that it would. Because like I wrote a whole piece about it. It was the right move. It was the logical move to make to part ways. But, you know, the way he had to go about it, it was it was like I said, made, like Chuck said, made fools of, of his bosses, uh, made fools of the club, forces a transfer, you know, less than a week before the market closes. It, it was with him, with Ronaldo, it was always the Cristiano Ronaldo circus, first, second, third, and last. And that was a big reason why it could never work at a club for Juventus, because Juventus has always been about the individual's being more together, not a, a superstar, not a guy that you have to bend over backwards to please. And, and that was Ronaldo. And that is Ronaldo. And that will always be Ronaldo. And I just don't, I, I think fundamentally, that's why the marriage between Juventus and Ronaldo was, you know, never ideal, it could never really work. So yeah, I guess on the whole, I think it's just a, a rather bittersweet legacy, just a lot of really, really good incredible stuff on the field and and off the field just a lot of things that really put a, a you know a dent on on what he did and it's it's a it's a shame that it had to to end this way it didn't end with a stoppage time goal against Udinese that eventually was off ruled offside it ended with his private jet leaving the Turin airport with reporters sticking their phone between the fences to try and get the money shot of him boarding the plane good times Indeed, indeed, it was, it was. And sorry, one one quick thing to add with him embarrassing his uh, superiors, basically. It reminds me of, I read this book, a great, great book by Robert Robert Greene, uh, The 48 Laws of Power. And uh, one of the laws of power was never embarrass your superiors. And he violated one of those uh, laws by, well, basically making them look like morons. <laughs> so. you, know, you know, just the, the timeline of this whole thing. Gab Marcotti wrote a really decent article about this whole thing uh, and about the the move itself just talking about to to show you just how how calculated this all was you remember two weeks ago when that uh, when edu aguirre the the journalist he started he started making those yeah he, he start he starts floating those are those around for real madrid real madrid throws out a huge denial like they were testing where they could go from the very, from the very, very start. And then they, they, they got what they thought was concrete, something concrete with Manchester city after Terry Kane no longer became an option for them. And there it was. And then all of a sudden United probably became a, you know, United came in overnight United certainly didn't want him playing for City. They, they, they pulled at those heartstrings, boy. I've oh, done yeah. some reading and they pulled at those heartstrings. But it's all one of those things where I'm just like, you didn't have to be this underhanded. I mean, the team obviously just let you go. So what, what is the, like, did, did he think that 
was he was he concerned that Agnelli would would in would just insist on forcing his those underneath him at the club to into keeping him because he had because he needed this thing to work or was that it or or or, or did he just did he just want to stick it to us i don't know yeah and, and, and it's a shame because once you remove uh, the fans the the circus the wages the supercars the instagram followers the everything once you remove all of that and you're just left with with the, you know the the bare bones the fact of the matter is that juventus lost a really good player days you know once the season had already started and now they have to figure out how to make up 30 plus goals a season once the season had already started like that. I mean, at the end of the day, I think Juventus is a worse team now than they were when Cristiano Ronaldo was on the team. And, you know, that they're going to have to figure that out as it goes along. And it just, it just sucks that, you know, just on the field, they're going to suffer. It was the right move, but on the field, I think this team is worse and they really didn't have the time because all of this that you're saying, like, because there's the Ronaldo circus, like, for whatever reason, they just, because he is who he is, they just can't seem to, you know, do things right, I guess, for, for the, the club that bent over backwards for three years to kind of like satisfy all, all your needs. So, you know, it, it, it does suck. It, it does, you know, everything that does not have to do with Cristiano Ronaldo on the pitch, it really just, it was by far the worst thing about, about him playing for Juventus. I do want to say one last thing, which is that I've seen a lot of you, you were saying Juventus has to make up 30 goals. And I've seen a lot of people, either Juventus fans lamenting, where are we getting 30 goals a season from now? Or alternatively, people who are not Juventini making fun of them going, haha, you're not going to get you're not going to have those 30 goals now. You don't need that. I mean, look at Chelsea. Chelsea barely Chelsea did not have a primary striker last year and they won the Champions League, you know, because uh, because the move for Timo time. Yeah, the the the, the move for uh, what's this? Oh, my God. Why am I for why am I Timo Vanna? That was the German. Yeah, to say. Team, yes, there Timo we go. Timo, Timo, time. Timo, Timo uh, you know, if with him, you know, he he kind of flamed out the. You know, Antonio Conte won a Scudetto in the first in his first season with no one scoring more than ten goals. He won a Scudetto the next year with again no one scoring more than ten in the league and no one scoring more than fifteen in all competitions. If you have your team right, you can overcome that, and you can and you can distribute the goals a little more and and win your games in another way, which goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the pod, which is, is Allegri going to be able to get that right, get that right. And that's going to be the narrative for the rest of the season. Plus our bigger problem is uh, conceding goals, not scoring. them. Yeah. I was about to say, I, th- I think you do need to score a lot of goals when you can't seemingly can't stop allowing goals. So that, that's going to be a whole thing. And yeah, I don't think they need to get a guy that will score 30 goals. I think that, like you said, a bunch of guys are going to have to step up. And unfortunately, I think right now, as of right now, I don't think they have a player in the squad that has scored over 
probably 20 a season. I think Dybala might have done it once. Uh, Twice, I think. That, I don't think they have a guy that scored 20 a season. Like, they have Morata, who's never done it, and Kies has never done it. Keane's never done it. Um, you know, so, so yeah, dudes are going to have to step up to, to kind of, like, make up make up that offensive tally for sure. Dybala scored 19 his first year with the club in league play, 22 in 17-18. He's had two seasons where he scored 20 or more in all competitions. Morata scored 20 in all competitions last year. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, all competitions, yeah. But, I mean, Morata's a, but, you know, he is Morata. So, you know, he's you don't streaky know what you're going to get from that. <laughs> so, you know, streaky, I, streaky as you know, I do think that a lot of guys are going to step up and, you know, we, we'll see if they can do it. While you guys were talking, I was looking up the column that I wrote right after Juventus signed Ronaldo, basically saying that they've gone all in. And, you know, I, I led with Max Allegri's quotes from the uh, Villar Perosa friendly, the the family friendly that, that day before. And it was talking about how, the Champions League has simply become a serious goal, not just a dream. And I made a reference to actually a movie that I watched last night, and that was Rounders with Teddy KGB sprinkling, splashing the pot because he's Teddy KGB and saying that Juventus had gone all in as all in gets and basically going for the immediate immediate future rather than the long game as Pepe Morota liked to play. So it's interesting now as we look back three years and Ronaldo is gone, just kind of what state the roster is in. And I'm not putting that on simply Ronaldo, because as we know, there's a lot of contributing factors to it. But it's interesting to compare the roster to where it was then and where it is now, and just how much, say, the the long game isn't as much as, isn't as present current day as some might like. And hopefully that turns into something as we begin Max Allegri 2.0 kind of comes back into being a priority for the club. So on that note, thank you all for listening. We will get back to Twitter questions next time. Speaking of those Twitter questions, we had a lot this week and they will be turned into a Sergio Romero grab bag. So be on the lookout for that. Also, I know Sergio plugged it, but he had some very good thoughts on the Ronaldo situation and the Ronaldo exit in his grab bag. So make sure to read that as well. So you can always listen to us or send your Twitter questions to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Feel free to leave us a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. So on that note, for the birthday boy, Sam McCresty, for Chuck and for Sergio, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week during the international break. <laughs>